All right, everybody, I'm not going to have a very formal introduction to this particular podcast other than this is part two of the Truth or Politics podcast, and we will be joined by, by myself, uh, Robert, along with Bradley, my co-host, and we're going to pick up where we left off with logical fallacies and discuss those, and we'll get into a few more things about us. I think it's going to be a great time. Thank you again for joining us. Um, if you have comments if you that you would like to leave us, you can certainly reach us by email at truthorpoliticspodcast at gmail.com. There is no the in front of that one, truthorpoliticspodcast at gmail.com. You can call our voicemail line at 662-374-0778. Once again, that is 662-374-0778. And then you can also reach us on a Facebook group site if you'd like to join in the conversations. Um, we are in a group called The Truth or Politics Podcast. Just simply go onto Facebook. Hopefully you're already a user look in the search uh, window app, uh, function and then type in the Truth or Politics podcast. We should pop up and all you have to do is click on the icon. I think we have a few questions on there um, just simply asking what uh, type of um, uh, political leaning you have. doesn't matter if you don't know. We just need an answer to that. And then we try to get you to swear your allegiance to no trolling. Well, you know what I mean. So we try to keep everything a nice civil discourse Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're going to go ahead and roll that tape. Yeah, but, uh, you know, when you talk about fake news, as you uh, call it, I mean, that's just a recent phenomenon. Surely the, the news organizations before now have always been truthful and upstanding. What I mean, right, Rob? The truth will set you free. At least that's what I've been told. I said the truth will set you free. At least that's what I've been told. I've got misinformation on the left and right of me, and in the middle, a truth to behold. But, uh, you know, even even sites like, I think Reuters even leads a little bit left, but I think Associated Press is really the only one that I can think goes, uh, uh, that is right in the middle, and maybe they don't even go right in the middle. I think it's all subjective, even if it isn't. Even if it's objective, I think it's all subjective to who is reading and interpreting the information, because anybody can really interpret the information anyway. You know, they, they uh, look at it, because everybody has their own glasses that they see the world through and it just really depends on how they how they read the news or how they take the news well i i think that's an excellent way for us to transition into uh the the next thing that i i would like to talk about and that is uh fallacies all right so so the first one is ad hominem and uh here's um, an example of what that is ad hominem is when someone attacks the person instead of the argument. An example here is um, Jenny's just a stupid blonde on unemployment. Why would you ever consider her strategy for getting a job? Now, 
the the Latin translation for ad hominem is is actually something that kind of translate as to the man or to the person. And, and I think what we see here in the, the whole in this logic is now, you know, this person is calling um, Jenny a uh, saying that she's not smart. Um, she's making a reference to the way she looks and, and also saying that she doesn't art, doesn't even have a job. So then why should anybody ever consider that person someone who would have a good strategy for getting a job and why should you ever listen to her? So there's all kinds of um, things going wrong with that. But yes, it very specifically says that they are attacking the person. They're not attacking the argument. So what advice has Jenny given uh, for someone to get a job? And, and we can see examples of this in, in other things. And so what I hope to do is when we hear other people's speeches, um, if they're using some sort of an ad hominem attack or an ad, an ad hominem fallacy, I want to be able to call that out. So the next one that we have listed on here is the appeal to authority. Um, Bradley, you're able to are you able to see what I've got written down for that? Appeal to authority uh, is when a statement is considered true because it's made from someone who is considered an authority on the topic. Uh, here's an example. My doctor says taking St. John's wort every day will make me less depressed. He should know he's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the funniest thing, this isn't even a perfect appeal to authority, but I, I still remember one of my students that was taking a, uh, a tennis class that I was teaching. And one of the, another student um, rolled their ankle while they were playing. So they, it wasn't a bad sprain, but they kind of rolled their ankle and they were in a little bit of pain. And another student in the class ran over to the student and stated, my wife's a physical therapist. I can take care of you. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, you know what? I, I hadn't married my wife as a physical therapist, but I, I also had been in sports for years and years and had rolled many an ankle but it's, it was just so funny to me that he ran over and said that very thing. So, you know, he's theoretically appealing to an authority. He's making himself that. But there's all kinds of problems with that logic. Would, would we agree, Bradley? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and it's, it's difficult. It's, it's really difficult right now to not want to just go right after things that I've already yep. been hearing in the press. And so, you you know, you folks at home... Um, if you, uh, hear us talk about this and you want to send us out at the end of the podcast, I'll give you some information about all the, the ways, different ways you can contact us, but you may want to give us some, some examples that you've seen. And, and that's great. We would love to hear them. Okay. So, um, this is one that isn't on my list, uh, Bradley, but I'm going to go ahead and use this just cause it's in alphabetical order. And this is just simply called anecdotal evidence, anecdotal evidence. So it's, it's, you know, you can understand that an experience that you've had matters, that it's important, but just because you've had an experience of something, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that your argument is stronger because you've had this one singular experience. And, and usually what we hear anecdotal evidence being used in is it's just simply that something that has occurred that has not been studied yet. Um, 
And yeah, there's there's definitely some things out there right now that I'm chomping at the bit to want to say when they first got mentioned, um, they were not studied. They've been studied since then. And even those results are now our debate. Boy, I feel I feel weird. I wish I could say all this stuff, but I just don't feel like I should right now. Anyway, well, how about the next one, Bradley? Um, appeal to ignorance. When a claim is considered true because it hasn't been disproven, or vice versa, an example would be that since you cannot prove that aliens do not exist, then they must exist. Yeah, there is a, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, but there is a famous way of twisting around that particular phrase. And what is it? The absence of... Uh, oh, I can never remember what it is, but something about the the absence of fact doesn't doesn't necessarily prove the. Oh no, it's the absence of evidence. Have you heard this one before? I'm, I'm slaughtering it so bad. Maybe you haven't. Oh, are you trying to say that the uh, the absence? Yeah, yeah. I think what you're trying to say is the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Yeah. So we'll, we'll take that. We'll take that take. Um, so. The, the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence, and that is um, seemingly just playing around with the words, but that is <clears throat> actually a pretty, uh, pretty substantial way to argue that uh, you can't just simply say something doesn't exist because it isn't there and you haven't proven it yet. Okay, um, I'm going to go to... One that I think is a big one. It's not um, listed on here in my my list, but I'm going to go ahead and say it too. And that is an appeal to emotion. Um, When you are doing an argument and you're appealing to people's emotion, and it's an argument that should be um, communicating facts, um, what you're doing essentially is you're manipulating emotions to get pity and compassion um, rather than to say what is truly needed based on the fact. And, and okay, I'm going to jump out on this one. And, and the thing that bothers me, and, and eventually you guys will see who I um, am leaning towards. And in all honesty, I haven't made up my mind yet who I'm going to vote for. But the Democratic National Convention is using the same strategy, as far as I can see, that they used with Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump. And and what they're essentially doing is making an emotional argument that Donald Trump is not a good guy. And 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 you know there's much worse terms that they're using for that. And and that is the reason why you should vote for Hillary. And and now they're doing the same thing with Joe Biden. They're essentially saying Donald Trump isn't a good guy. And Joe Biden is, and that's why you should vote for Joe Biden. And it went from, I think I I saw maybe five different Democratic National Committee um, speakers, and every single one of them had those same talking points. So what do you think about that use of emotion in, in their particular speeches, Bradley? And I know you can go off for years on this, but... Oh, yeah. Um, I'm I'm not gonna tee off yet. I, I'm I don't I don't think, um, which you know you'll probably see who I would vote for. Which uh, we'll get to that later. Um, but I think that the Democratic platform for a while has really been to appeal 
um, you know, emotionally rather than, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to say that I don't feel fact based, but I think especially the DN, the, the national convention has been an appeal of emotion, especially like Elizabeth Warren's speech uh, in the schoolhouse. And, you know, I felt that that was very more uh, do it for the kids and what about our future sort of deal. I, you know, that really rubbed me the wrong way. And, you know, we could get into that, but I don't think that the Democrat, you know, that the Democratic Party is the only party, you know, prone to do it. Uh, yes, thank you for saying candidate, that. Yeah, because there's a candidate, uh, Barry Goldwater, in 1964. His whole platform, his slogan was, in your heart, you know he's right. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, that that's an appeal to, if there's not, if there's ever an appeal to emotion, that would be it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, vote for him because... You know, in your in your your emotions will tell you that he's right on everything, even if you you know the facts don't say it. And he lost that election abysmally to uh, to uh, Lyndon Johnson. Of course, Lyndon Johnson had the famous uh, nuclear war ad, the little girl with the flower, the counting down. Uh, have you seen that? Um, I re- I remember it. I I don't recall it exactly. Um, but but just just know that the Democratic Party is not the only one capable of making an emotional appeal. And uh, if you listen to radio programs, of course, like uh, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, any of the ones on the right, Michael Savage, uh, you'll hear the same exact talking points. You know, the same exact talking points on the other way from them uh, as far as an appeal of emotion. So, I mean, it's not. Right. Um, it's not just the Democratic ball. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it's it's really you know we we can pick apart. Yeah, when we can pick apart um, Trump speeches and and other people. And, and Fox talking points and CNN talking points. And I mean, it's, it's, it's really so repetitive um, for so many of these groups, you know, what they w- will say for their various things, but, you know, and, and, you know, the emotion that typically is, is characterized through uh, the Republican party about the democratic party is they want to steal your guns. They want to, you know, they want to let their people that support them never have to work hard for anything and get, get their, you know, their, their money and unemployment for free, blah, blah, blah. And, and so oh, the abor- the abortion, uh, oh, the abortion a huge platform one. is a huge emotional, right. platform, you know, a huge right, emotional right. talking point. And, 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 you know, and, and that is one, um, uh, that I think at least has a scientific basis for it. And and that is one that has it's 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 going to seem odd to say it this way, but has a good healthy argument that is science based, and and I think that's where it all gets down to. You know, that's are you taking a life? When does the life begin? Is the life be- beginning at conception, or is it after a certain amount of term? And then if you know, however that goes, so. I think I understand the argument and to a certain extent, I respect that argument more so than I think I respect many of them. Although it is, yes, a, a horribly emotionally packed, um, issue. And I say horribly only because so many people have been killed, um, as a result of fighting this particular issue. That is the, the fe- unborn fetuses that certainly one side will say has been killed. And then on the other hand, the doctors and, and people 
who um, did abortions have also been targeted and killed. So it, that's well, we're not going to go down that road, but I just wanted to point out that's one that at least has a sort of a scientific basis through it, and that's where the argument is. And what they really disagree on is just the science. Um, and, and I don't know, for some reason, I guess I respect that more on an argument than I necessarily respect just um, something like, vote for me because I'm a better guy than that guy. Yeah. And I might need to turn off the oven uh, for an introductory podcast. You sure are some <laughs> popping off some hot takes here, Robert. <laughs> wow. I need to simmer that one down. I, I don't uh, know. Gonna get well, we, we uh, the other night, uh, Daryl and I, um, in, I don't know if you listened to the, the latest podcast, but uh, we actually had a, a brief discussion um, about right to life and, and pro-choice. And oh, did he keep uh, it in? Hmm. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm not really I, I sure. To, uh, yeah. I listened to the second half. Uh, I haven't listened to the, because you always to listen to yourself part. first. <laughs> I, I didn't realize I, I didn't, I didn't realize I unzipped a tent. It sounded like I unzipped my pants there. Good gracious. Okay. <laughs> that was hilarious. Okay. We're, we're getting off track yeah, here. Okay. But that's, that's all right. Okay, um, Bradley, would you please uh, tell people about the bandwagon fallacy? Yes, bandwagon fallacy is when a concept is considered true because lots of people believe it's true. An example would be 9 out of 10 doctors agree that Medicine X is the best. So then Medicine X must be the best. I think that's finally one that we don't have to go through explaining. <laughs> I think that's, that's uh, certainly got one that has a lot of examples to it. Okay. So begging the question, uh, when the statement is assumed true based on the statement itself, and no, no offense here to anybody who believes in the Bible, but <clears throat> this is typically an argument that will be called a fallacy. Example is the Bible is the word of God because the Bible said so in the Bible. And, you know, the, the Bible and religion is all based on faith. And so, regretfully, a lot of times those things fall victim to this fallacy argument. Um, I can certainly see why people who have a belief in the Bible and the belief in God and faith, they're not going to have a problem with this because they believe that the Bible is the true word of God. And so they, they won't necessarily think that is a fallacy in their case. Um, but that's just, yeah, that's just the way it is, I guess. Uh, okay. All right. Um, let's, let's do, uh, a loaded question. We'll do that. When a question contains the presumption of guilt example. So when exactly did you stop stealing from your wife? This assumes the person was always stealing from their wife. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's just, a you know, you, you've seen this used in movies and if it's a, you know, just trying to set somebody up to trip on their words or something like that. So um, how about non sequitur, Bradley? Yeah, non sequitur, when a statement's conclusion does not follow from its premise. An example would be if you don't buy this type of food, then you are neglecting your children's health. Okay, so so this is one that I really like, and this is going to be red herring. And I'm going to talk about it because I love the little movie reference I can bring for it. Um, red herring, when someone diverts the attention away from the topic to a new topic to throw you off and win the argument. 
So do you have any idea, Bradley, where there is a movie? Um, probably was created at the time you were born. <laughs> so you may not know about it. I will give you a hint. It's based on a very popular board game. And in it, they constantly talk about red herrings. Uh, I, I don't know. It was Miss Peacock in the library with the rope. Does that bring a bell at all? Oh, the, the one of the best comedies of all time, man. It Probably is, is the it? best comedy of all time. The clue is yes. absolutely amazing. Yeah, yes. you th- I wasn't thinking of it. Man, that's an amazing movie, though. I, let's just change this in the clue podcast <laughs> right now. So, so many of the characters, when they're explaining what's going on at the end, um, they, they will say, Tim Curry's character is one of them. He will say, nope, that was, communism was just a red herring. And they'll, you know, constantly talk about that. So I, I really enjoyed just seeing that little bit there. Okay. Uh, why don't you cover Slippery Slope and then I'll cover Straw Man. And I think we're going to call it quits for now. Uh, the next one's a Slippery Slope, which is when it's assumed that a small step leads to a larger chain reaction of events resulting in a greater impact. For example, if we leg- if we legalize marijuana... Then the next thing you know, people will be trying meth. Do you want people trying meth? Oh, yeah. Yeah, good example there. Um, yeah, I I think of slippery slopes all the time, at least now when it comes to um, uh, what we do with COVID-19 at the hospital and checking people before they come into the hospital, taking their temperatures, making sure they wear masks, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we think about, well, if we let you know, a couple of people get away with something, then we're going to have more people that are going to do it. And the problem is just going to get worse and worse and worse. And I always think about that for the, the slippery slope anyway. So straw man, uh, and I'm not even sure if I'm going to get all this correct, but I'm going to give it an attempt. So straw man is when someone ignores the argument and replaces it with a distorted or exaggerated version of that argument. And so we've got an example here. Um, one evolution states that humans developed over a long time ago from the same common ancestor as the gorilla. And this was person a that said this person B says, everyone listened to person a, he's saying that we descended from baboons. And yeah, that, that is a clear example of somebody. And I have heard people say this before, um, distracting, from the argument, they're sort of like making an argument that's just based on the, the flimsiness of straw, so to speak. So I always think of and that, or do you, uh, here's another trivia question for you, Bradley. What famous, uh, singer had a song titled straw man in it, in which he has lyrics that say spitting in the wind comes back at you twice as hard. Is, is it Bob Dylan? No, not Dylan. A little, an important okay. artist, but not as important as Dylan. He has, uh, he has a very strong tie to New York and to a uh, particular um, artist that was in, the, in New York who did a lot with soup cans. Oh, is it uh, uh, Lou Reed yeah. from Velvet yep. Underground? Yep. yep, Lou Reed. It's actually on his album called, I'm pretty sure it's on the album called New York um, or New York, New York. And I'm pretty sure there's one in there called straw man. 
I've listened to a lot of Velvet Underground. I can't say that I listened to too much of Lou Reed's uh, solo work, besides maybe uh, what Wild Side. What well, I don't know what the name of that song is. The right take right. a walk from Wild Side. Yeah, well, New New York, New York's really good. I like that. Um, Magic and Loss was okay for me, and then but some of the stuff he did. Oh, actually, I'm thinking of Bowie. Bowie doing wasn't Bowie in Tin Machine? T I N Tin Machine. I think oh so. boy, that was bad. I didn't like that at all. Now his his latest album that he did before he passed away, I hear was amazing, but I I, I never listened to that. Oh, Is yeah, it good? Yeah, he was in Tin Machine. Um, yeah, Black Star was amazing though. Yeah, I thought it was a really good album because B- Bowie really had a lot of occultish ties, and he really got away from that for a while, and he really got back to the cult imagery. And I mean, it really makes for makes for a good visual. Um, but that's enough music. We can, we can get back to politics. No, I know. So hey, let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into um, a closing segment for us, and I'm calling this one um, "Truth or Politics," and that's the title of our um, podcast. And and have you, are you familiar with the term Marcus of Queensbury rules? No, I'm not. <laughs> Should I, I be? Think, I, well, I, I'm, honestly, I bring it up, and I'm not really 100 percent sure about it myself. My favorite word is the word. The word. Isn't it a beautiful word when you think of it? It just covers everything. The word. <laughs> I know words. I have the best words. Words matter a lot. And I got the point across. But I think it's, it's, it's a phrase for wait, like wait, the, wait, wait, the, the wait. rules of it's- fighting. Is it, it okay? Was it something that a they, comedic character would say? And they keep adding to the rules. Is it where they keep adding to the rules as the fight? Like he's almost going to win. He's like, oh, oh, by the way, you've got to fight this fight with one hand tied behind your back. I didn't say that. I think there is a routine for that. Yeah, there is a routine for that. Because there was actually a wrestling segment where they did like a something of Queensberry rules match where somebody kept almost winning and they would change the say, no, you've got to win with uh, no shoes on or something. Yeah. Right, right. So so what I came up with was just a couple things for you and I to think about. And and then we're going to close things out for now. Because what was going to be a 20-minute episode, <laughs> who knows after the editing, uh, where, where all that's going to go. We may have a part one through three just for a uh, introductory episode. Um, okay, so here's... Let's think about rules for politics... And if we're if we're using the terminology about politics being sort of the allocation of resources to make the machine of government work, and and then giving justification for your uh, rationality of your rationale of why you're sending your resources to these various things, and people run for office and they tout kind of like the politics of their their political party. Now, we haven't defined political parties yet. That will be done on another time. But when they're running for office and they're in the election mode and they're giving campaign speeches, what do we think candidates should be allowed to say about each other? And is and then the other question is, is, is the truth the goal of the candidates or is winning more important than the truth example so is it okay for the candidate to exaggerate when they talk about themselves 
or they talk about the um, their opposition. And then also is exaggerating just another form of lying. And should we allow that to happen? What do you think about those thoughts, Bradley? Um, well, should should candidates be allowed to? What should they be allowed to say about each other? Right. Um, I think that there's. I think it. I think you have to draw the line at personal attacks. I think that everything should be policy based or based upon what they've done in uh, with their voting record, or if you don't agree with, which can be a slippery slope. <laughs> mm-hmm. To go back to something we talked about, yeah. And some people might say, "Well, they've made this decision in their personal life, which you know, like Thomas Jefferson, uh, you know, overspent and he wasn't able to balance a budget. So would he be an effective president since he couldn't even run his own household? You know, things like things of that nature. Like it, it's a, it definitely is a, a situation where you can get into personal tax real quick. So I don't know if you could even uh, define it that way." Um, and I think as far as exaggerating goes, uh, there's, I think that, um, for instance, Joe Biden, uh, you know, apologize for bringing up a specific examples, which I don't know if I should apologize for that, but a specific example when Joe Biden at one point, I think when he was running in the eighties talked about how he was near the top of his class and he, uh, you know, when he was in law, I think when he's in school and then he finished early and all this and they went back and checked his you know, checked on it and he had sort of made all that up. He did, you know, it wasn't really sure how close he was. So is that an exaggeration? Is that, a, well, that's, that's probably closer to lie, but you know, he, he did exaggerate where he was, which, you know, in his class, which Trump, Trump exaggerates a lot of stuff. You know, we've got the biggest, hugest, you know, military ever in existence. Uh, you know, <laughs> it just, any, just there's stuff like that's That's not an exact quote. No, it's, uh, which, it's close though. It's, it's close. close though. No, I mean just just recently when he talked about you know we've got more money put in the military that's ever been put in, and uh, and and when you, when you hear that, to me I'm immediately thinking okay where where's the numbers? Let, let me see the the facts on that. But I, sorry to interrupt on here, but I, I wanted to point in too that I mean yes Joe Biden is the Democratic national or the the Democratic candidate for president. And and really, one of the biggest problems I had with him was around that same time of that campaign, and really, what got him into so so much trouble. And I'm almost certain it is what caused him to drop out of that campaign was that they plagiarized a speech that was, and this is this is all true, folks. This is not uh, fake news or anything else else like that. But they plagiarized a speech um, that was taken directly from someone who was a British coal miner, uh, former British coal miner, and had a family that had a history of working in coal mines, and he was running for office. And, and they used so many lines out of that speech that Joe specifically said in his campaign speech that it just humiliated him. And, and it, it is amazing to me that people can bounce back from that. Now, on another level, and I, I can't back this up specifically with answers about things, but I think in many particular cases, you know, as we said, Donald Trump exaggerates. And I think in some cases, I think he just probably even flat out lies um, for things that he says. Yeah, and, and I think that's, 
that is a reason why we're going to try to do this this uh, podcast, uh, not just to call everybody out, but to understand really where you guys are, the listeners, where we are, um, and how we interpret and still cast these votes uh, for people. You know, because politics is still, you know, it, it's based on the election. Um, I mean, the, the political party and who's going to run everything is all based on the election. Um, and obviously, don't even get me started on that, that we can have a, you know, a popular vote plus the Electoral College. And, uh, you know, have some people who can actually win the popular vote but still not even get elected. That's just a bizarre thing. That even brings me back all the way to this idea about the monarchy. But that's another podcast. Um, so I guess then, and I think we've already answered this, then I guess we're saying that it's not okay for candidates necessarily to belittle each other because that would be a personal attack. Yeah, I would definitely agree with, uh, I don't think that really any candidate should be belittle anybody for any reason, uh, for, for as another, uh, personal experience, the same rally I went to with Trump, he, uh, he, he sort of poked fun. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's too um, too over the top of a statement. He did. He sort of did poke fun. I know, I know be- where you're going. Yeah, he did this. He, he belittled uh, uh, Ben Carson, and then people cheered for it. Right. And it's just really like, you know how how can somebody? I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it, it's it's dumbfounding. I mean, it is. It's dumbfounding how, and and we can't we can't escape. You know, again, again the, the the structure of what we'd hope to do in this podcast is we would go through definitions, we go through the current news, it, all the way along the way. We're also giving as much facts as we can, but at some point, we're going to need to say our opinions, and 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 so I, I don't think we're going to be freed from that. And I want to also give the opportunity to our listeners to give us feedback. And we're eventually going to have a uh, voicemail line where people can call in. And uh, now, granted, there's going to be some standards uh, when, when everybody calls in. We're not going to allow personal attacks. We want to keep everything as fact-based as we can. But at the same time, it's okay for you to express your opinion. But, yeah, I mean, types of things that Donald Trump has done uh, when it comes to... <clears throat> when it comes to personal attacks on people and belittling folks the honestly the thing that i never got over and 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 i've tried to as much as i could because he eventually became our president was when he was i guess getting uh some very pointed questioning from a reporter who had um some some sort of physical handicap and trump um you know to uh sort of a rally because it was this thing that he was being criticized about. That's sort of his shtick is he'll go to his rallies. He'll recreate somebody making fun of him. And we're not making fun of, but, but uh, criticizing him. And then he in turn makes fun of those people. And so he made fun of this person who had this hand, this physical handicap and, and made his body get all kind of contorted and, and make funny sounds And the crowd cheered for him doing this. You know, and, and that that was the toughest thing for me, especially in the line of work that I do when I work with people that have neurological disorders and and have, you know, trouble. And it's it's, you know, it would be difficult for me 
in that situation, um, if I saw someone doing something like that, not to speak up, you know, and, and tell them how wrong that was they're doing. So I don't have a problem with necessarily saying that. And of course, in doing so, I, I just wonder, you know, I guess that like, honestly, that's a question for people that still support Trump. Um, does where do you draw the line when he does things like that? And are you yeah. still, you know, obviously people still voted for him. Do you feel like he was, is, is it because you feel like he was unfairly questioned by this reporter? So he has the right to mimic this reporter and make, and make fun of him. Um, is that where you go with that? Or what is it that, that makes you still feel like it's okay? Now, I realize when I say this stuff, I am making the Democratic National Committee's argument for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know we're, we're saying don't vote for him because he's a mean guy and he belittled somebody. And, but, but I tell you what, the Democratic National uh, Committee, if they still haven't learned that that stuff didn't work to beat Donald Trump, with Hillary Clinton, they really need to rethink things if they're going to keep trying to use that strategy of Joe Biden um, to try to beat Trump. Because as far as I'm concerned, he's still just going to walk himself straight into the White House again um, if, if, the, if the Democrats don't get their act together a little bit better. So th- there's my big opinion on that. Yeah, and I think you're talking about belittling reporters and other people. Uh, going back to what I said earlier about Biden, I actually did find the actual transcript, so I didn't want to mislead anybody about what was said. This was a transcript taken from a C-SPAN video in 1988 where Biden was directly talking to a reporter. He said uh, he basically said that I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my class who had a full academic scholarship. The first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. And he said that in response to a reporter who, uh, who I think had asked him, said, told him, you know, asked hmm. him a question that he didn't necessarily agree with. And he said, I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school. I'd be a lot delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to, to yours. If you'd like Frank. And that was directed <laughs> at a reporter. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, it turns out like a lot. It turns out like he didn't have the three degrees. He didn't finish in the top of his class. So is that the exaggeration? And, and then he goes on to belittle the reporter, but necessarily, is that um, okay? I mean, it's definitely not to the degree that Trump belittled a reporter by any way, shape, or form. But is there a line in the middle that makes this okay and that not okay? Or are they both not okay? Um, you know, I think that that's what we're going to try to find here. And our truth, um, our opinions, I rather, will definitely probably be different than other people's opinions. But somewhere in all this, I hope to get back to the truth and to what we all can agree on is the truth that is the muddied waters that is the political scene in 2020. Perfect thoughts to end on Bradley. Perfect thoughts to end on. So yes, I I think that um, uh, one of the taglines we're we're thinking about for this particular podcast as we draw things to a close now is that, you know, for um, truth to exist in politics There is your side of the story, there is their side of the story, and somewhere in the middle lies the truth. All right, thank you once again for joining us. This is the end of part two of our introductory podcast. 
and we look forward to talking to you next time. Uh, we are going to cover the Atlantic article written by Jeffrey Goldberg, and we will go into good detail about that. We've got some audio interviews based on uh, Goldberg himself being interviewed and some other people along the way that we have some sound bites from, and we'll go through those. So it's going to be a great time. Let me remind you once again to... Um, if you haven't subscribed to us, uh, please do on your podcast site. If you um, have not left a review for us yet, that would be awesome if you would do that. Um, you know, be honest. This is truth or politics. If you feel like there's some things we need to work out, tell us about those. If you love us, tell us about that too. Um, you can reach us at the email site at truth or politics podcast at gmail.com. You can give us a call and leave us voicemail uh, feedback. And uh, we've already had a few people do that. And that's been great. That number is 662-374-0778. Once again, 662-374-0778. Last but not least, you can join our Facebook group site that is called The Truth or Politics Podcast. Just simply look into, if you haven't um, been able to find it yet, just simply go on Facebook and go to the search little uh, function, type in The Truth or Politics Podcast. You should see us and and just select that uh, icon. And that's it for now. We can't wait to see you. Uh, see you. Well, I guess we're going to be doing YouTube then, if that's the case. We can't wait to uh, put out another podcast and have you interact with us. Um, have a great day, everybody. Take care. I never told anybody to lie. Not a single time. Never. These allegations are false. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. I'm not going to continue trying to respond to these re repetitions of the falsehoods that have already been stated here. Read my lips. No new taxes. Our politics seems more vulnerable to conspiracy theories and outright fabrication. We choose truth over facts. Some of the most dishonest people in media are the so-called fact checkers. We will keep this promise to the American people. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor, period. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan, period. They're just totally distorting everything possible concerning the facts.